Right. You can hear me now. Um, the reason I've got the watch is to make sure I'm not here three hours later when you all disappear to the kitchen to eat food and bring you here. Um, yeah, so three, three months ago I knew you'd been asked to, to bring this and I've just been thinking of it chewing over for quite a long time. Anyway, the first thing I want to say is City Church, we do not have a children must be included policy. Children are part of us, so we're not going to do anything special. Kids, you're part of us. And everything that I'm going to say this morning is simple. It's simple. I've got pictures, and I've not dumbed anything down, because what we have here, I'm going to present this morning from God's Bible, from the Word of God, the Bible, is powerful, and it's simple. It's powerful, yeah. So, I've been asked to talk about serving. Serving one another. So I'm not going to present to you a list of all the amazing things that I've done and all the service, ways I've served and blessed people because it wouldn't take very long. Um, so, we're going to approach this from quite a high level, having thought, thought, about, thought about this and looked into the scriptures and stories and stuff. The key question here is, who are we? It's not about a list of things to do. We need to get our heads around the fact that we need to know who are we. So I'm going to answer those questions uh, as we go through. Because I think there is a strong connection between who we believe we are and our serving. If we've got a wrong idea of who we are, we're not going to serve. Or we're going to serve badly, as I'm going to give an example of in a minute. But first of all, I just want to, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, as we already know, you are here this morning. And I want to pray from the youngest to the oldest who understands and is listening that you will speak to us. You will reveal, you will show us who you are, Jesus. Who you are, God. And who we are. Take my words, take these pictures, and speak to us. And help us to respond to this at the end. Amen. Right. We're waiting for the picture. <laughs> it's a blue object. A triangle. <laughs> we can play guess the object, couldn't we? It's a, it's a blue object. You'll find them on a campsite. I was horrible in the tent. 
Now, what would challenge me, I'll get to the point is, what would challenge me in, on the farm field or site, wherever it was, there was a fixed block of toilets. And that used to be cleaned by a guy. And I think his name was Paul. Was the guy at, uh, at North called Paul who used to clean the toilets? Chris is the expert. No oh, idea. Oh, let me down. Anyway, it was muddy and it was awful. I think it might also work. But this guy would be worshipping and praising God as he's cleaning the toilets. He would always be cheering. So what would he wind me up even more? You come in the toilet box and here he is doing the, one of the worst jobs possible. Worshipping God. Yeah. So I had to redeal myself. This is our example of bad serving children. This is bad serving, my bad attitude. The guy who was cleaning the toilets was worshipping God. He was doing it with a right idea. He just wanted to bless people. So I got a bad attitude. I lost sight of why I was doing it, who God was. He was just worshipping God. I'll move on. That's bad serving, okay? To be very clear. So, next slide. Some of you might be thinking, what on earth has this got to do with serving? Well, as I've just said, I think there's a strong connection between who we believe we are and our serving. So fundamentally, we need to understand who we are, who God is, who Jesus is, and who we are. And I'm going to underline the fact who Jesus is. That's my starting point. And the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, which is another name for Jesus. And it clearly says, in the beginning was Jesus. Not getting clearer than that. And Jesus was God. And he was there when he was all creation was being made. You cannot get any clearer than that. And it also says the first few words in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the world. Okay? So Jesus was there in creation. Jesus is God. But it also says in Genesis the Holy Spirit was there. So back in the first few verses of the Bible, we have God, we have the Trinity, we have Jesus. So that's who Jesus is. Starting point, fundamental. Okay? I'm not going to go through creation in detail, but I'm going to work all the way through the rest of the Okay? So we get all the way through to day six. We get the creation of we get the creation of Adam and the creation of Eve. So God, so Jesus was there, so Jesus was the creator, so you and I are his creation. Fundamental. If you walk out the building and then not remember anything else that I have said, Jesus is God, I am the creation, I'm made. Man is man made. Okay? Now, I'm going to carry on in, there's a story carries on. So it's all perfect, it's beautiful, day six, on day seven, God rests. He's done an amazing job, he's created the world by speaking. So, it's not all good news, it goes bad. Um, Adam and Eve eat fruit because they were uh, from a tree, because they were tempted by Satan, and because of that, that's what's called sin. Sin is disobedience. Now, as a result of that, God said, Get out of the garden. The earth is now cursed. And they realised, Adam and Eve realised that they were naked. And 
and as a result of them making this, that had to be covered. And because that and the only way to cover their nakedness, God killed an animal. So at that point, it was perfect. There was no death. There was no sin. But at that point, an animal had to die to make the skins to cover their nakedness. And from that point, everything was cursed. But then you do get the insight of what's going to happen. Because God speaks, but God also brings the curse and announces judgment. But God also says, through man, Satan's head will be crushed, but his man's heel will be, will be down, will be hurt. So what that is, God is saying that, that Jesus is essentially coming through Adam, will be born through Adam, and bring salvation, rescue, and everything will change the will defeat of Satan. Okay, you can show the sheep. Looks very fluffy. Okay? Now, so we were winding on to history. So we've had creation, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, all the way through up to the generations, and we've now got to the time of a guy called Moses. That looks very fluffy and it looks nice. But that lamb, next one, Andrew, please. That lamb is going to die. Thousands of those lambs will die in this story, and I'll explain very briefly why. Um, and the blood of that lamb will be, will be posted around the door as well done. And I'll tell you why. Because for 400 years, the family of um, Abraham, Isaac, and all that generation were made slaves, they were abused, they had a cruel king who had got to the point where he was killing their babies. But God, now I was very struck with what Richard then underlined, the fact is, it says in the Bible, and God heard their cries. There came a point where God said, enough, I'm going to do something about it. So as a result of that, God sent ten plagues on Pharaoh as judgment, because that's what the king was called. And God, just, God said, this is the time now where my Hebrews, the Hebrews, my people, will come out to the promised land. But this land was to die as a result to save them this final curse, or the final uh, plague. Now the final plague, what God said was, as a result of judgment, and all of the Egyptians, the oldest child will die, and the oldest animal will die. Which is pretty gruesome, it's pretty grim. If you view everything else in context of the abuse, the cruelty, and judgment of this horrible king for 400 years with generations, God said, Enough, this is what's happening. But then what God said to his people, the Hebrews, if you take a lamb, choose it, and you kill this lamb, and you eat, and you just put the blood over the doorposts in four days' time, when that angel of death passes through, putting to death these children, and putting to death, it wasn't just children, it was adults as well, and livestock, you'll be saved. And that's what happened. So they slaughtered the lamb, put the blood on, on the side, and they ate, ate the meal quickly with their coats on, ready for them to be released 
from, from Egypt because the Pharaoh had just said, no, no, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going. And God said, ah, this is enough. And I think God is underlining me that Pharaoh's response to God and his power, he did respond negatively, he hardened his heart. And I think this morning, I'm speaking truth about who God is and who we are. We have to respond. Let's respond in a, in a, in a, in a good way. So the point of this story is the blood had to be shed, but actually there was a curse on the earth that Jesus was going to come and be that sacrifice, and Jesus was actually going to be that lamb. But my point is, Jesus knew who he was, because Jesus knew, going forward, and I'll show you, that Jesus knew he was going to be that lamb. So this was a pointer to Jesus, so he could look back and see it.
They set the Passover ceremony of, of, of killing the lamb, eating the bread, was, was set in place that the Hebrews, the Israelites, had to celebrate this every year to remember the amazing thing that God did in rescuing them from Egypt and saving them. So, they would gather on the tenth month every year and walk and gather all together from all over Israel as it was to Jerusalem. So Jesus would have to make that, but as he was big enough, as a small child, he was exempt. They were exempt and the ladies were exempt. But actually, when he was 12, he made that journey. And I, I reckon it probably took him a week. Because if you like to stop, you couldn't just walk. And he'd be walking with family and everything and everybody else. So then they'd all meet in Jerusalem, oh, with thousands and thousands of other people. He was 12. And then the on this occasion, the, ce this, the celebration finished. They're leaving the lamb. They'd done everything they need to do. They'd seen all their relatives. They'd caught up. Spent time in the temple worshipping. So then Joseph and Mary go home. Begin their journey. You might notice I've forgotten to say another name. I haven't. They forgot where Jim they had about Jesus. So after about a day, can you imagine the conversation? Uh, Mary, where's Jesus? Uh, I thought you had him. What have you done with the saviour of the world? Can you imagine the tension? The drama? No, scripture's very discreet. In just a few words as it talks about it. It then says, they came back into Jerusalem and looked for the saviour of the world for three days. Can you, by the way, well, by the way, Joseph went, oh, thank you, God, you, you're totally in control, we know you're going to plan, we know Jesus is going to save the world, you, you've got it all, all sorted, or, Joseph, why did you do this, why didn't you do it? Maybe it was a mix, anyway. <laughs> they found him eventually, in the temple, at the age of 12, talking to the scribes and Pharisees, discussing the law. Now, the law was all the stuff that we've got in the Old Testament from Genesis all the way through and all the prophets. Now these scribes and Pharisees, I suspect they were pretty old and they would have learnt it and memorised it. They knew it in an hour. But there's Jesus at the age of 12 having deep discussions with the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus knew it. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the prophecies. He knew the detail of what God was going to do. But the key point here is, Mary says, says to him, you know, you realise what have you done, you're still here, what's going on? So Jesus just says, did you not know I had to be about my father's business? He knew what was going on, he knew the plan, that's why he was there, all in control. He knew he was going to be that Passover lamb, he knew. Now, there's a point I need to write this, so Jesus knew who he was. So that would then have an impact on his service, an impact on how he responds and serves other people. So, next one. Theme. I struggled to find pictures of theme. They were all ugly, weird, and whatever. So I've gone with, with an emoji. So, we've got Jesus at the age of 12 in the temple. Winding him forward to the age of 30, he calls his disciples. 
He does miraculous stuff. He's seen thousands fed. We've seen people healed, and we only just have some of the stories from eyewitness accounts in the Gospels. And they've now got to the end of three years of 12 disciples spending their lives eating, sleeping, and doing what you do when you have to live with people. Um, all together, ups and downs for three years. And now, in this story, in John 13, they've got to part, they're also now celebrating Passover again. Which we looked at the uh, Palm Sunday, no, the Hosanna, the waving palms, worshipping Jesus, glory to God, Hosanna, it's all great. We've got the Pharisees going, I've forgotten it's got to go out there. <laughs> no good will come out of this or something like this. Basically, they wanted to kill him and they were completely intent on trying to kill Jesus. So, tensions are running pretty high. So, the story in John 13 is they're set, uh, sat down for laying down for a meal uh, as part of, part of the Passover celebration. So, you can imagine all the sorts of stuff that was going through the disciples' brains at that time. And then it says that they eat, then Jesus, and then the key thing the scripture says, and in verse 3, he says, and Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing that he'd come from God, and that he was returning to God, got up. Okay? He knew why he'd come. He knew that involved that returning to God involved death, crucifixion, and resurrection. So he got up from the meal. What did he get up to do from the meal? The clue is in the feet. He got up to wash their feet. Now this was shocking. We probably don't really get it because we don't wash people's feet. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. We, get, we say all oh, the modern equipment is washing someone's car. I don't think you can put any modern equipment to it. Because actually it's quite personal. Someone washing your feet, something physically touching your feet, it's humiliating. And feet in those days were pretty good if you're going to be walking on them. But Jesus, Lord, God, Emmanuel, knowing all he had to do, got up as their Lord and Master, as a model, and washed their feet. So, Jesus knew who he was. Now, not so unsurprisingly, it kind of like disturbed his disciples. It would disturb me. And after he did it, Jesus sat down and said, more or less, this is my paraphrase, you've not got a clue, have you, why I did this. But I have washed your feet as your Lord and Master, as an example of how what we should do. And if you do it, you'll be rewarded. And I wonder how much the disciples realised that they were, just, they, were create, they were creation, they were servants, they were created by God. It's quite obvious as the New Testament goes on, they, they did get it, eventually, did get it quite quickly. So, the fact is, Jesus knew who he was, and he got up. The question is, what makes us get up? What drives us? What motivates us? Is it to be get up and to serve people? And I'm referring to the getting up, it's actually making an effort 
doing the things to serve people, do we do it out of guilt? Do we do it because we want to look good? Or if you like Harry because you love people and you have compassion? Or if you like Terry and Julie, years and years of serving people and caring for people in humility? Are we doing it because we know who we are just as servants? Because we love God and we want to care for people? Some questions there. So, the final picture. <laughs> the top one on the left is one of my favourite topics, as some of you will know. Just in case you don't know, that's the logo for Duncan Donuts and their teeth. Okay, I'm summarising um, a couple of passages in the New Testament where the church, the churches, are encouraged to serve people. So rather than banging a list of things the Bible said we should do for one another, I'm not taking that approach. What I'm saying is, what we do comes out of knowing God, knowing He's a creator, knowing Jesus died for us, and knowing that we were created by Him. So, it's interesting as well that the two chapters, the two sections in Peter and in Galatians, encourage the church. Well, basically, the, the churches were told off, yeah, told off, we did, really, for ripping to the teeth. Represent. They were ripping each other apart with criticism and being, they were nasty to each other. And the other one, the Peter one, refers to encouraging people to show humility without grumbling, stop moaning about it. But actually, it's turned into more positive. What the scripture says rather than doing all this nasty stuff, do the positive. Not just telling them off for not doing the positive. Focus yourself on doing positive things. Now the reason Dunkin' Donuts is up there, because some of you are probably just lost in the Dunkin' Donuts logo, is some of us, it goes through our brain, it goes through my brain, when you see the scripture, oh, I need to be more hospitable, oh, I need to have thousands of people in my home and provide five course meals. No, that isn't what it's about. It doesn't have to be. If you want to spend time with people and show hospitality, you can take them to Dunkin' Donuts and have coffee and spend time with them. You can go to the Jerusalem Bakery and have some really good coffee and sweets down there. It can be all sorts of ways. So what I'm encouraging us to do is, if we know who we are, that God's created us, we can pray, God, give me ideas on how I can bless people that I'm going to enjoy, that are going to be fun. And the other positive thing is, there's quite a lot in the New Testament about hospitality, so if we can relax, think about hospitality being a gift from God. It's one of the gifts. So we can pray that God will help us, or God will fill us with His Spirit and give us the gift of hospitality. God could enable us to do it. So there's no pressure. So we realise who God is, we realise we're just servants. God will give us the gift of hospitality, but we can have fun doing it. So it, it, it's a no-brainer. But the other thing is, I don't think for one minute 
can have revelation and will never be challenged on this again. I think this is a daily battle. I think this is a weekly battle. I think this is a choice that we face. And I'll give you another example. I've been called out of retirement from Bears Camp. I took my children to Bears Camp and I'll advertise it. Bears Camp is when you go with all the dads and eat egg and, egg and bacon uh, sandwiches on a barbecue in the morning. It's amazing. And spend time, oh, spend time with your kids. It's very important. But it's, it's hard work. And I, I used to go and I used to help because my children were kind of like growing up, I was too old. But I would go just to get make a fire, get the barbecue going, and help out because I think it's really cool. So I stopped it for a few years, and then this year I said, Oh, can you come back and help? So then I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want to, yeah. I really don't want to. But then, then, then I had these amazing, I wish I could say I had these amazing godly thoughts. Think of the bacon sandwiches, think of the barbecue. So then my motivation is about that. No, actually, I'm now dealing with it in the right way. I've been thinking about this, thinking, no, no, actually, I think Bears Camp is brilliant because it enables kids to spend time with their dads. The food's good and it's good fun, actually. God wants me to bless a lot of people by doing it. Okay, so I'm going to wind up. I'll probably talk a far longer. Hopefully, you're with me. But, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, to wrap this up, but I think I do know that we need to respond in our hearts. So I'm going to pray, so if you want to, you can close, close your eyes, just help, help focus. I'm just going to talk to God, and I'm just going to pray and ask for four things. And you can say yes to these in your heart. And if you want a conversation with me, or you ask afterwards, that'd be great. Kids, talk to your parents. Yeah. Father, I want to ask today that you would give us a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. This morning, that we would realise that Jesus is the Saviour. That Jesus died and took my punishment. And that Jesus rose again. And I need to respond to that. Help me. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would help us to call you Lord. And I want to pray that you would remind us constantly that we are just servants. You are the master, you are the Lord to remind us.